Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. I'm so excited for episode two of the Young Leaders series with Katrina Polanka, VP of Global Partnerships for the San Antonio Spurs and former Director of Sponsorship Operations and Strategy at Twitch Properties. Katrina is part of the Rising 25 Front Office Sports Class of 2019, the inaugural, and I was one of the judges um, and reviewers of applications for that award in that class, so it was really cool to meet up with her gosh, almost three years later, and do this interview. Her star and her stock has only risen since the day she was, when we recorded the interview. So we recorded in the car, video off to get better reception. I was home at my house with my new baby, and my husband had come home from work so that he could watch her while I recorded. At one point in the interview, I could hear her crying in another room, and he did a great job of calming her down. I probably waffled a little bit on my conversation with Katrina because I was distracted for uh, just just a second. And the point of telling you all of this is to let you know that even if things are not perfect, you can still get the job done. Katrina and I were not in a fancy recording booth, mic'd up, headsets on. We were on the phone to laptop, car to bedroom, and her fiance, who got engaged in Tahoe, by the way, uh, my neck of the woods. We're driving back from Austin to San Antonio. Now more than a decade into her career journey, Katrina is starting to share her experiences as an Asian American woman in the corporate world. In Katrina's own words, Asian American women face a unique set of challenges. Many face a double-edged sword where they are viewed as too aggressive or not aggressive enough, too sensitive or not emotional enough, not Asian or American enough. So Katrina teaches Asian American women how to be great communicators and advance their careers honored in that class. And it is a pleasure to meet her and bring her story to all of you. So about the interview, Katrina, uh, bedroom, because my desk is still in the nursery and uh, that used to be my office. But point is, we still got it done. Much of the time, we make excuses for not doing the work, letting perfection stand in our way. Maybe the story gives you permission to make it messy Just get out there. Don't let an excuse of an imperfect environment keep you from reaching your goals. For Katrina, she got into sports by cold outreach emails. She's a girl from Guam with no connections in the sports world, and she made it happen. She could have said, this is too hard. I need to meet some people first. I need to have the perfect connection. But instead, she went for it. I think you'll find that as a common theme in her story, one of perseverance, courage, betting on yourself, going for it. And mostly, as Katrina will tell you, 
believe in your greatness and is generous enough to share her voice with us today. If you want to know more about the work Katrina is doing with her community, visit katrinapalanka.com. Today, she shares her words of wisdom with us. She shares her story and she shares her message, believe in your greatness. Welcome to the podcast, Katrina Palanka. We are thrilled to have you. So let's go. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast, Katrina Palenka, VP of Global Partnerships for the San Antonio Spurs. So great to have you. Thank you. Great to be here. So I want you to tell us uh, who you are, what you do, and how you got there. I'm Katrina Palanka. As you mentioned, I'm the VP of Global Partnerships for the San Antonio Spurs. I oversee our sales and activation teams. Um, it's about a team of 20 plus people. It's the largest team I've, I've ever overseen. Um, so it's a, it was a really exciting leadership role for me to step into. I'm originally from Guam, moved to New York in 2014 and fell in love with the city. Started out in PR and um, was there for about a year before I saw an opening at the Brooklyn Nets on their marketing solutions team as a coordinator, which is their entry level job. Um, Being from Guam, I had no connections in the industry. So I sort of cold outreach emailed the hiring manager and she gave me a shot. And that was the start of my sports career. So I was there for about three and a half years. During that time, Barclays Center hosted the Overwatch League Finals, and it was the first time that I ever saw an esports event. I've never been a gamer. I still am not a gamer, but I saw that there was something special there when it came to fandom, and it was exciting to see. So I dabbled a little bit in a a few different potential organizations and eventually landed a job at Twitch as their director of sponsorship strategy and operations, moved across the country from New York to San Francisco, learned esports and gaming from scratch. It it was very much the wild, wild west when I joined. I I think it's getting a lot better now. Um, And it's crazy how quickly it moved. Was at Twitch for about two and a half years. And that's when the Spurs reached out to me. So I've been in my current role for just a little more than two months now. Actually, I don't think I've hit my two months yet. My two months will be July 3rd. So um, heading into the start of my third month. Um, month. So we're, we're at the, the last leg of the 30, 60, 90 day plan here in San Antonio. That's awesome. And before we jump into your current role, I want to talk about your beginnings. So you provided an incredible summary of your working history, but I want to jump back to Guam. You attended University of Guam for undergrad. Tell us about your undergrad experience and your jump from working in Guam post-grad to moving to New York City. You told us that, um, you know, you sent some cold outreach emails, but that's quite quite a global move for you. Walk us through that experience. I am a failed doctor. Um, let's start there. <laughs> I grew up thinking that I was going to get into medicine, be a doctor. My first year, freshman year, I was still a, a bio major. So that was a rude awakening to enter my sophomore year of college and have this realization that 
I, I wasn't going to do that. Um, and after spending 18 years of your life at that point, gunning for that role um, and thinking that's who you're going to be, I think that was probably the first time that I ever made a bet on myself. And I realized it when I was, I was, been, I was a straight A student all through elementary, middle and high school. And I was starting to not get A's. I was getting C's in anatomy, biology, all of the science courses. And I was like, if this is happening my freshman year and I'm not enjoying it, I'm going to have nine to 10 more years of education here before I, before I become a doctor and do this for the rest of my life. It's now or never, I guess, to, to make the jump and say like, this is not what I'm going to do and cut my losses the first year of college. Um, and you're like, you're 19 years old when you're making that decision. And it's a scary one. Um, but I had a few special people in my life who pushed me toward that decision and said, look, like you have to live your life for yourself and you have to trust this decision. You're the only one that can make it. And I ended up making that bet and it turned out for the better. So I um, switched my major to communications and pursued journalism, which truthfully, if if I could make, if I made good money at the beginning in journalism, I probably would have stuck to it. I love writing. Um, I still do it for fun. It's my passion. And the only reason that I left it was because the hours were terrible. And I realized that if I ever wanted to start a family, and I know there are many female journalists out there who are rocking in, have families, but I was just always on call you had to be there when the news broke. And I just couldn't imagine myself living like that and, and having, so um, I made that decision pretty early on to leave it and pursue PR, which I thought would be a nice, the best of both worlds. You can still write um, and you can still have generally a Monday through Friday work schedule. And it was the move from journalism to PR that brought me to New York. And that was also just cold outreach, a creative resume that got me through to my first job at Ruder Finn in New York City. You talk a lot about betting on yourself. It seems to be your career story. You did it again when you made the move to Twitch. Talk to us a little bit more about esports. You gave a great overview. I, I want to hear a little bit more about that role the big challenges and and what's the future of esports? The role was amazing. First of all, I loved Twitch, man. Um, it actually took a lot for me to accept the role in San Antonio. That's how much I love the company and what they're doing and esports and gaming. It's really a magical industry to be in in general, but it's an especially magical one right now. I think what pushed me to, to take on that role was the idea that at that point in 2018, esports was five to six years old, so pretty, pretty young. Um, and I thought to myself, like, wow, how cool would it be to be part of the original team of people who are designing what this industry looks like from a sponsorship standpoint. Like imagine being part of the first team that sold an NFL deal. Like there are formulas now in different industries, right? Like you, in NFL, you associate 
um, pizza and wings and Coca-Cola and beer. And there's a formula to how you do sponsorships in the NFL. And you can say the same about baseball. You can say the same about basketball. You can say the same about hockey. But in esports, all of those rules were yet to be written. And that's what drew me to it was to be part of that team that was going to design that and create the formula that sponsorship teams were going to use down the line. And the most magical thing about it was that esports and gaming are borderless. Um, you can draw people from all around the world. And so even dealing with the nuances of culture and of language and of different countries and having those come down in a way that you don't see in other leagues and sports was an incredible place to be. It also had its own set of challenges because there were no borders, believe it or not. Um, but that's what, what drew me to it. And even though I knew nothing about it, I think my tactic going in was just acknowledging that I didn't know anything about it, not being afraid to ask questions in meetings, asking the same questions multiple times until I understood and got it. And being willing to have that beginner's mindset for, gosh, I don't even know. I was still learning new things at Twitch even when I left. But I think it took me about six months to like get a good grasp of it and be able to explain the concepts to someone else. Um, and that was just a result of me not being afraid to quote unquote ask the dumb questions. Talk about fearlessness. I mean, you being able to hold that beginner's mindset ask so many questions in order to fully understand the industry and how it works and how you can lay the, the roadmap for the future. So you spent several years there and then you took this big role with the Spurs. Tell me about what it's like to go for it in this role and how did you win the position? Yeah, it started out with outreach on LinkedIn. Shout out to Brian Lick at the NBA. Um, he called outreach to me, I guess it was. We weren't connected and said, hey, would you be interested in this role? Um, I looked at it and uh, to be honest, at first, I, I, I just wasn't interested. I was really happy where, where I was at Twitch and didn't want to move. And there were things that we were starting at Twitch that I was really excited to see come to fruition. but. I saw um, a few people who had gone over to the Spurs um, and leveled up within the organization, including R.C. Buford and Brandon Gale. Um, and Brandon Gale is our EVP at the Spurs, and he had a very similar career. At one point, he was at the Jets, and then he moved over to Facebook and Instagram in the Bay and then moved from the Bay to San Antonio. And I looked at that trajectory and said, wait a minute, that sounds really familiar. Let me just have a conversation with him and see where it goes. And um, had that conversation. Um, and he, one conversation led to another, um, ended up meeting the rest of the team and was ultimately convinced to come down. Um, it really was a fearless, just, I don't even want to call it fearless. I would say it was more of a courageous decision and a little bit of a gamble. Um, I had only been to San Antonio once before I accepted the role and all of my interviews were done virtually. So um, at that point I, I had gotten the second vaccine, but I was not ready to fly because I wasn't within the window of being completely safe yet. 
but I knew they wouldn't wait two weeks for me to say yes. So I had to say yes to the job before having ever seen the city. And that, I think that was the scariest part. So landing for the first time in San Antonio was looking for an apartment to live in because I had already accepted the role. Um, and honestly, when I, when I saw it, I thought I made a mistake. Uh, coming from New York and San Francisco and looking at, I'm used to cosmopolitan life um, and looking at what San Antonio looked like and what Texas was going to be for me, I, I was like, oh gosh, like maybe this was not the right move. But I'm happy to say after being here for a little more than two months now, it definitely was the right move. Speaking from experience, Texas grows on you. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me hopeful. It really has grown on me. <laughs> yeah. And, and you can't beat the food. The people are wonderful. And most importantly, I mean, San Antonio is a big city. So w- within a big city, there are endless opportunities for things, things for you. So I'm sure you'll find your footing and, and knowing the hospitality that, that the Spurs roll out and how they take care of their people. I'm sure you're going to just, just excel. And so personally for you, what did you do to ensure that you started this opportunity on the right foot, especially when you were new to Texas, you're new to the city, new to, new to this role and, you know, have all these emotions. What did you do to ensure you started on the right foot? And did you have a 30, 60, 90 plan? I did. Yes. I think the, the number one rule that I set for myself going into this was to make no assumptions. And there's a lot, and I think that goes for my personal and my professional life. Um, I tried to put aside any preconceived notions that I might've had about how the team runs, how the organization works. Um, and then on the personal side, preconceived notions about the city itself um, and really going in and listening to the, the people on my team, the people who work with my team across different departments and spending the first two to three weeks uh, going on listening tours and not just listening to listen and not just setting up one-on-ones to meet people, but really taking pages and pages of notes and identifying patterns in those notes and what I'm hearing before I decided to make a recommendation. So um, we're, at the, we're at a phase now where I'm starting to try and make changes that um, will help solve some of the problems that, that exist within the department. And I think the most challenging thing for me is that I want to boil the ocean and I want to, I want to fix things fast. And sometimes when you try to fix things fast, you can sometimes end up breaking things fast. (laughs) And there are reasons why things work the way they do. And there are systems that do work that you want to keep in place. So it's having a little bit more patience with myself um, and trying to, to work collaboratively with everyone across the organization to make sure that the changes that we're implementing are right. Um, for the broader group. So 
definitely there's a 30, 60, 90, and I'm about to revisit the end of the 60. I'm tracking well, but my, my instinct as a leader is to want to fix everything and fix it now and let's go do this. But there are some things that just need a little more planning and time so that you're setting it up for long-term success. I heard you describe their a listening tour a little bit more in depth than any of my guests have before. So I want to make sure I highlight that. You took pages and pages of notes. You reviewed those notes and identified patterns among those notes before you made any recommendations. And so to your point, it wasn't about doing it to do it. It was about doing it so that you could lead successfully from that point forward. I'm, I'm so happy you shared that, that pathway and the way that will lead to collaboration among your organization. And your title is VP of Global Partnerships with the Spurs. Katrina, tell us what that means. What are you tasked with doing and what does that mean global? Yes. So I'm tasked, the team is tasked. I should not say I, there is a huge team that does this, but we are tasked with securing sponsors across all of our different properties. So the arena, the team, the arena AT&T Center, the team, the San Antonio Spurs, our G League franchise, and we also have a soccer team and a stadium um, 10 minutes away from AT&T Center. Um, So we're tasked with selling sponsorships across those franchises as well as executing those sponsorships via our activation team. Um, From a global perspective, I think historically the Spurs have leaned really hard on their legacy of winning, which has been amazing. And they arguably have one of the best leaders, not just within sports, but one that transcends the sports industry. And that's really been inspiring to see and, truthfully, to be a part of from the inside. Um, I was worried that I was going to have to go in knowing how to be a leader. And I think one of the biggest surprises coming into the organization is how much they're teaching me about being a leader um, just by way of, of being part of that organization. It's, it's really been incredible. I've never seen an organization run like this, run really well. Um, so that's what, that's what the role entails. And the next few years are going to be pretty exciting. There are a few projects that are about to get kicked off the ground. And the, the Spurs, having leaned on their legacy in the past, have really partnered with a lot of local companies, local businesses, regional to San Antonio, regional to, to San Antonio in this area. But as we as we start to evolve what our partnership model looks like, it's really going to be about um, putting in place purpose-driven partnerships, which if we're talking about impacting more than just this local community, but really taking everything we do in our organization and impacting humanity, we're going to need to be doing that where we're global. So you talked a little bit about culture in your explanation of the Spurs really being a teaching type organization where everyone is sort of lending a hand to lead their colleagues forward. Talk a little bit about culture in the front office. What is most ideal for you? Yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. I have so many stories that have just, even in the first two months have just 
pleasantly surprised me. Um, one of them is how how in tune our CEO, RC is and, and Brandon too, just in tune with making sure that I got settled in um, and coming from a new city. I mean, I think the first time, I can tell you the first time that I saw it, it was during my interview and it was one of the final rounds. I was talking to RC and he asked about who would be moving with me from California. And I told him about my fiance and he's, he asks about him. Hey, what, what does your fiance do? Um, oh, he's a teacher here. Um, and he says, okay, just so you know, our owner, uh, Peter J. Holt, he's very into education in San Antonio, essentially saying that, you know, you're covered. Like we, we got your back and this is going to be, we're going to make this move as easy for you as possible. And so I didn't think a lot of it. I thought like, you know, we were just having a conversation. We hang up and a couple of hours later, Brandon calls me and he says, hey, I, I heard that your fiance is a teacher. Um, just so you know, my wife is also an educator and, you know, just having that, they say that San Antonio is synonymous with family. And I think there are a lot of, there are a lot of companies that use that word, but don't really mean it in San Antonio, but also within the San Antonio Spurs, that word actually means something. And the, that was the first example of just them really welcoming me into the family and picking up on that detail. Like in any of the other companies I worked at, like, I don't think that would have been picked up in the same way. And then entering the organization and seeing the bonds that they have with each other, especially on the partnerships team. I mean, that team is tenured. Um, there's someone in the organization who's been there for 31 years. And I think the average tenure on my team is probably five to 15 years. Like that's unheard of anymore for someone to be at an organization for that long. They grew up with each other. They saw each other get married, have their first kids, their kids go off to college and it really feels like a family. Thank you for listening to Leadership is Female. It's June and we've got three big things going on on the podcast. First, calling all interns. We have four eight-week internships available in social media, website development, PR, and content. Are you interested? These are resume-boosting, learning, and networking opportunities for you. Check out our Instagram for details. Number two, the Young Leaders Series is coming up in July. This four-part series has one spot available by nomination. Have someone who works for you who is a star? Email us at leadershipisfemale.com to nominate. And three, all new email subscribers in the month of June will be entered to win a high-performance planner, and one lucky winner will be chosen at the end of the month. If you have not subscribed, head to leadershipisfemale.com and subscribe today. Throughout this season of Leadership is Female, I've talked with several founders of the Pro Sports Assembly. I'm glad to become a founder, too, and invite you to join us at prosportsassembly.com. We are the Association for People Who Work in Professional Sports. Our core purpose is the advancement of diverse and inclusive leadership. From finance to innovation, operations and sales to social responsibility, marketing, human resources, and analytics, the Assembly aims to ensure pro sports has a diverse and talented pipeline 
to lead these efforts and more. Visit prosportsassembly.com to learn more. That is such a great story and I love to hear it. And the culture question comes from the fact that you are, you're being interviewed in leadership as female podcast. This episode could absolutely stand on its own, but the introduction to you, Katrina was for the young leaders series, even though you're already in a huge leadership role for this global organization. And so the culture question comes as leaders look to uncover what is important to their teams and to their colleagues and to the people that work within the office. Because as we know, the better and more consistent the culture is, that's how we produce front offices like you just explained. Ones ones that can become family, one with bonds, one with tenure, one where you can grow up together. And so I I love to hear that represented. And, And your example of really learning about the people is I think the origin. It's where it's where it all starts. I'm going to ask you if you can offer a piece of advice for young professionals. I've heard a lot of themes so far in this interview of you betting on yourself, being fearless, but then also being courageous and taking leaps. So, you know, that's, that's worked out for you and and looking back or, or even looking forward, what advice can you offer for other young professionals? I would say to believe in your greatness. To be honest with you, I've been in the last year working with a personal coach to help me figure out what my values are and what my mission is as a human being. And this started, gosh, I want to say at the, the end of 2020, as we were going through the pandemic. I started to think about, you know, what would happen if I lost my job tomorrow? Would I be lost? And the answer was yes, I would be because, and this is a very American question, but when someone says, tell me about yourself, I would default to my resume. um, And I would walk them through exactly what I walked you through at the top of the show. Um, And I didn't want that to be all there was about me. I didn't want to be one dimensional. Um, why isn't there anything else that I say other than the places that I've worked and the things that I've done and the things that I've accomplished? And why is that all related to my career? And so I started to go down this path of having someone help me figure out what what the other dimensions are to me as a person. Uh, one of them included something like picking up a hobby. I arrange flowers for fun. Um, and the other was putting out there my, I get really fired up and passionate about women in leadership roles, honestly, um, which is why I was really excited to, to get on this podcast. Um, it's hard to not become emotional about it when I start speaking about women's empowerment and um, the, the nuances that we face, not just as leaders, but in the workplace in general. And starting to, to put that out there on social media and starting to share my thoughts with the world, which was scary. My, all my profiles used to be private. Um, I didn't want anyone knowing that that's what I thought. And I wouldn't even post about it, even to my small group of friends. All I would do is talk about it within my inner circles or at brunch. And um, she helped me hone in on that, you know, believe in your greatness. Um, because I really, I really think that 
sometimes as young professionals, you doubt yourself and you doubt your experience. You doubt the number of years you've been in the business. You doubt whether you deserve your seat at the table. And the truth is that I think we're more scared of realizing our greatness than, than being inadequate. And I think the more that we can all lean into the part of us that believes we're great and trust that you know, you know your stuff, you know what you're doing, your opinion is valuable, speak up in meetings, participate, believe that you deserve that seat. I think the better off you'll be personally and the better off your team will be. Okay, I'm going to run out of ink in my pen from writing <laughs> this down and I I share I was so excited to talk to you because I knew this about you from the introduction that I had to you and I sort of share a lot of these commonalities where I too came from a place of uh, private social media handles, you know, not not sharing my true voice and when it became harder for me to stay quiet and sort of stay in my corner um, than it was to, to stand up front and speak is when I knew that I needed to, to make a change. And so I'm grateful for the opportunity to find one woman leader after another who just shares that same mentality. And you're just another example of a phenomenal talented person going after it, believing that you belong, demonstrating that you belong, taking on those big roles and really leading by example, but doing that without forgetting the next woman behind you. And so it's, it's such a wonderful thing to hear and to hear your story and your journey should be and is so inspiring uh, for, for the next person in line. Now that you're in the role, now that you're in the leadership role, you said you have a staff of 20, what do leaders need to do to be better managers for young and up and coming staff? That's a great question. I'm young myself, so it's interesting. I'm 29. So it has been interesting seeing a real divide in workplace culture and the approach that people take to their jobs, depending on which generation they're a part of, right? Like I'm very much part of a generation, especially now where we're starting to all figure out, do we work from home forever? Or what does coming back to the office look like? It's really starting to reveal how people view their their sort of place um, in the office and as part of a team. And I'm of the mindset that like, if you can get your job done, you can do it from anywhere. And there are pros to being in the office for sure. Like I definitely miss just overhearing people interact. I miss the flow of information that can happen when we're all together. I miss the, like, you can't, I've never seen a successful brainstorm done virtually, if I'm being honest, like there's something magical about a post-it and whiteboard and being able to, to see things and feel things and, and tactically have ideas popcorning during a brainstorm. So there are things that I don't think can be replicated virtually, but 
There are many that can. And I think in managing young people, we have to being being of the the younger end, I think, of a leadership generation that exists today, we have to think of our employees as 360 degree human beings. They're not just employees. And I think my story is just one of many, right? Like, I don't think that people live their lives nowadays to make it to the top of the corporate ladder. I think that we are trying to find meaning beyond our careers. We're trying to figure out what else we can do, who else we can be. We like to travel. We are, we're cultured. We, we like to experience new things and they're so even more so now the new generation and the new workforce that's coming in, they're so three-dimensional and you can have someone who is awesome in their day job. And you find out like at night, they're a, they're a photographer and they're, they have this full on side hustle or they cook and they, or they have a, an amazing TikTok page and they're an influencer on TikTok with like 30K followers. I never would have known that just working with you. And everyone has these, I don't want to call it a side hustle because it's not just about money for a lot of them, but they, they really see life outside of the nine to five and prioritize that side of it as much as they do their day job. And I think in order to have teams and build build places that the younger workforce wants to be a part of, we need to acknowledge the importance of life outside of work. And if we can inspire people to be as great in those areas of their life, um, and even into motherhood, right? Like inspire them to be great mothers, great parents, great dads, whatever it is that you're doing outside of your nine to five, if we can inspire them to be great there, we're going to get greatness out of them in the workplace too. Okay. Standing ovation. I'm literally clapping over here with uh, <laughs> the microphone on mute. You described that so eloquently, so art, so articulate in your explanation of the new 3D workforce. So true. And I've been a part of cultures uh, along my career journey where that has been seen as a threat. So this, the, so to speak side hustle, you know, there's, there's fear or worry that you're going to leave the organization for your passion versus stay and contribute. And I agree with your explanation that when you're happy outside of work, because you are a whole human, you bring your best self into the workplace and I, and I love, I love that acknowledgement. And, you know, I think this last year has been such a challenge for us uh, in the sports industry and in, for, for many people in the industries in which they, they work and the places in which they live. But one thing that we've discovered when forced to do it is that there is opportunity to not spend all of your working hours inside the office. And I think it's one of the things I'm most looking forward to as our culture is reemerging from this pandemic is where does the workplace fall and how do we, you know, hold on to, to the best of what we've learned and the flexibility that we've learned in the last 18 months and how do we bring that forward into the future so that we can continue to accommodate and support the next 
generation of, of great employees, leaders, and people driving our companies to the next level. Absolutely. Gosh, I just want to continue to ask you question after question after question. So I'm going to try to, you know, wrap, wrap this up quickly and I'm going to finish with, with two questions, but so first I'll ask you, what, what is your advice? I know it's a a part of a passion of yours is giving women in the workplace a voice and, and speaking up. So what is your advice specifically for women, something they can potentially do today in order to level up tomorrow? Yeah. Um, I would say that women have a voice and they need to use it. And I think until we get more women in leadership roles who recognize what it feels like and the nuances of being a woman in the workforce, we do need to speak up more than we think. We need to go beyond our comfort zone and really again, like express your thoughts. And I'm actually going through that with a few of my friends. Actually, I'll, I'll backtrack and give a little bit of a story. So um, at one of the companies I was working at, I had this woman on my team who I knew wanted a promotion. And I knew she wanted a promotion because she um, was it was about that time for her. I think she had been with us for about two years, and that was about the the time window for you to get promoted. I had just been promoted into a manager role the year prior, and I remember how nervous I was to ask for the promotion. I mean, I stumbled on my words. I couldn't give my salary. I couldn't even say the number out loud. Um, I was I was a nervous wreck, and it was the first managerial position I'd ever had. Luckily, someone helped me through that and got me there. But I remember how nervous I was. And so we're entering this annual review, just she and myself. And I knew she was going to ask, and she couldn't get the words out of her mouth. She she would she was stumbling on her sentences. And she, I don't even think she ever really arrived at the, at the, hey, can I have a promotion question? But I knew what she was trying to say because I had gone through it just a year before and I was able to help her fill in the blanks. Now, whether or not that was the right thing to do, whether I should have let her stumble on it and let her spit it out, I don't know. But I, I tried to, to help her through it because I knew what she was trying to say. If I were not a woman, I don't know that I would have known how to do that. I don't know that I would have walked out of there feeling empathy for her and understanding her situation um, more than just saying, gosh, why is this girl such a wreck? Like, what, what is she trying to say? And I think that's the importance of one, having more diverse people. And, and that's just one dimension of it, right? Being a woman, there are cultural dimensions to things. There are so many other dimensions about who we are as individuals and placing people of diverse backgrounds in these leadership positions will put people in places where they can recognize that in other people because they themselves have gone through it. And so I would just say that my advice would be, well, to companies, the advice is to put more people into leadership roles. My advice to women is that until that happens, um, we are going to have to act as if for a little while. So when you feel uncomfortable and you feel like, and you know it too, you know it in the meeting when you should say something, 
but it's a little more difficult for you to jump in, right? Like it's a little more difficult for you to hit that unmute button or a little more difficult to interrupt the person who's speaking to make sure your thought is heard. It's a little more difficult to not put a disclaimer at the start of your question. Oh, sorry if this is a dumb question, but it's a little more difficult to say, sorry if this has been asked. It's a little more difficult for us to, to not do that. And I think it's really important that we recognize that and and try our best as much as possible to to step out of the comfort zone and really speak up because it does wonders and and we all have we all have great thoughts um and i think being brave enough and courageous enough to share it without being asked goes a really long way and when you speak up there's another woman in the room who will be brave enough to speak up the next time so it's shine theory right um if i shine if you shine i shine 100 percent i and i've seen the same things unfold in my career and you know part of uh the way that we lead her forward is through visibility. Katrina, the, the shine theory, you said, you know, you, you saying what you have done and what you have accomplished and you know, you're giving this permission slip to the next girl to say, Oh, I, I did this great thing too. Or yeah, I do deserve that raise. And you know what? Lean on your peers, lean on your friends, practice, rehearse, rehearse that conversation for the raise so that those words, you know, you can play those back in your head and you can get them out when you're meeting with your manager. And um, I recently had a guest on the podcast whose advice was very similar, speak up more. I think she said, talk more, but she was referencing also to your colleagues, to your friends, to, to the gals in the room or the women at the, at the event, talk to each other and gain strength in numbers. And that's, that's how we can make that difference. Last question, question I ask every single guest. I'm a big quote person. I think that's another great place to draw inspiration is from the words of others. So can you share your favorite quote? Yes. And I think you'll find a theme here. Um, it's a quote by Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? Um, and it goes on, but, but those words, I think, is what, where believing your greatness comes from for me. It's, it's the acknowledgement that what is it? Are, what are you really afraid that you're not good? Are you afraid of sharing everything you believe and really leaning into what you know you're good at and really believing in, in your thoughts and having confidence in what you have to say? I think if, you, if each of us really digs into that, we're afraid that we're great and we're afraid to, that other people will think that we think we're better than them when really we're not and we're just, we're just sharing our thoughts. So um, that's my favorite quote. It inspires me to really lean into um, the things that I know I'm good at. And I, and I think at the core of it, that's what's pushed me to make all of these crazy bets on myself. I think that quote is one that we need to print and hang in our cube or our office or our home office because it's certainly very inspiring. And, and Katrina, you are living proof of, of what you can do when you believe in yourself and you go after it. So 
What a pleasure it's been to talk to you today. We wish you all the luck in the world, although I'm not sure you're going to need it because you are a star uh, in your new role. And we can't wait to see all that you do in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, the number one rule when starting a new job, make no assumptions. Put aside any preconceived notions about what your role or the organization you are working for should or should not be. Conduct a listening tour, take notes, identify patterns before making a recommendation, and work collaboratively. Number two, women have a voice and they need to use it. Speak up more than you think you need to and express your thoughts. Number three, in managing young people, we have to think of our employees as 3D humans. They don't operate on a nine to five Monday through Friday. They are curious, cultured, like to travel and bring their whole selves to work. They work to live, not live to work. Respect and support the human and reap the rewards of a star contributor. And number four, believe in your greatness. Hey leaders, if you want to be in for a treat, definitely subscribe to the show if you have not done so already, because we have so many amazing episodes coming up. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you listen so you don't miss out. And if you leave us a review or post about me or tag Leadership is Female on your Instagram stories, to talk about the show, we'll enter you into a giveaway. We're giving away something every single month. Some of my favorite things from my favorite work bag to my favorite sunglasses. Make sure that you spread the word and we will reward you for that. I'll also send you a personal thank you note and repost your comments and reviews. Last thing, did this episode bring you any insights, ideas, aha moments, anything you are inspired by. If so, take one second and share the link, post about it on your Instagram, text your friend, email, so many ways to share leadership is female. And if you do post about this show, again, don't forget to tag at leadership is female or at Emily Jansen or my awesome guest today. Because knowing that this conversation made a difference for you means the world to us and we love to see it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.